That's a lot of chicken. Wow, okay. I did too. I thought it was great. It was good for the garden. Didn't have to go out there and water it. And uh, it just kind of was nice, wasn't it? Just just a nice little Saturday. Ah, good. Well, I'm excited um, about our little, I don't know, mini-series, John and Greg. I don't know what we call that. So what has happened is we finished Hebrews, which was great. Now, I was waiting for like a cheer. That was, that was just, I gave you all like the opportunity. Dang. All right. Well, maybe next time. In October, we're going to start a series on discernment, and it's going to be really cool, and there's a lot of good stuff going to be happening. But we're going to wait because, you know, fall break happens in the beginning of October, and there will be, including myself, gone for a couple Sundays, actually. So we will have someone that will take the pulpit that has not preached a sermon, I guess, here before. Mr. Andrew Hayes in October. I am very much looking forward to listening to that. I hope that we get the audio for that. He always does such a great job whenever we he does communion or the Lord's Supper and stuff, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure there'll be plenty of sarcasm in that. Uh, there won't be any sarcasm at all in that sermon. Uh, but in the meantime, we uh, reflected on, hey, what do we do for what, three or four weeks here? And we kind of looked back over the summer and what's been happening here at Stones River lately, especially in regards to like the yard that's going out, that's, that's happening over there. And we've been having uh, serving lunch with our, serving and eating lunch with our friends, which is now turned into dinner with our friends on Thursdays and on Tuesdays. I'll put a plug for that from five to seven o'clock. Um, we've had that going on. We've also had, uh, and with that, there has been some like internal, external challenges uh, that I think anyone would say feels like an attack. Um, even Carolyn last week shared uh, at the Lord's Supper when we had that, that she feels like her family's been under a serious attack lately. Um, we've heard from our friends at the camps. If y'all remember Greg coming before the church and sharing that there have been these shadow people is what they call them um, that have been kind of, uh, I mean, really just going after many of them, terrorizing some of them. Like it's awful at night and just, it's just, and we hear things like that and um, we kind of wanted to talk about some of that for a few weeks because it's kind of different. It's kind of strange. What do you mean attacks? Uh, what, there's spiritual things going on. And uh, for some of us, you know, even with, when it came to the camps, uh, there was an immediate, I, mean, I remember Pat going, let's go. Like, well, it's time to go. We need to pray. But I also got to talk to some people who were like, I am super uncomfortable with this. Like, not that it's not real or whatever, but like my upraising, I've not really had any experience. I don't think I can go. I'm not sure I want to go because I just don't know. So when we spend, you know, some weeks talking about this, recognize that if you feel like I'm good to go, there are other people here that don't. And that's been a, don't be like John. In the past, I've been like, let's go. Whoever wants to follow, let's go. And I haven't actually sat back and went, well, maybe I should help the people who don't want or are unsure or do something to try to make folks more comfortable. I've been like, well, if you're not 
if you're not on the level, then just whatever. You don't have to go. And that's really a poor way to do things. And I didn't say it that way, but kind of, it was kind of that way. And so I apologize when I've done that in the past. And I don't want to do that. So let's not do that with our friends here and be like, yeah, I've got this and recognize that there are some that these ideas are, are foreign or um, super strange and I don't know what to do with them. And so the title of today's sermon, which I really wrestled with calling it this or not, is a re-enchanted faith. The reason that I was really nervous about it is because the first definition of the word enchantment has to do with casting a spell on an item, and my mama would not approve me saying re-enchanted. The mama that uh, was not allowed to watch Smurfs and stuff like that, you know, like anything like that, that she didn't like some of that. Um, But I want to be very clear, I'm not talking about witchcraft this morning. I'm not talking about us getting into that type of thing. Um, Maybe a better definition, um, the second definition in Webster, I kind of hate when people say the Webster's Dictionary says, but I'm doing it this morning. This may be a first. Is uh, you ever go on like an amazing date or something with someone? Hopefully we're remembering our spouses if we're married at this moment. Man. Uh. And, <laughs> and you like had a fantastic dinner, you know, you had a crazy, amazing conversation. Maybe you saw a beautiful sight and you were like, that was an enchanted evening, you know, like that type of a thing to where it's like, there was something deeper there than just what's physical and what's in front of us. And so I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about the way that oftentimes in the West, we've kind of allowed our faith to be a little disenchanted. Um, We've kind of allowed our faith to sometimes just be what we see in front of us, Um, just be maybe a moral response, right, Uh, and a church-going response, great things to do, (laughs) but to go beyond, to recognize that in and of ourselves, we are spirit and we are physical beings. Like, that's who we are. That's how God created us. This world that we live in is beautifully physical and beautifully spiritual. We don't want to swing to the side that, you know, I've had some of people I know that kind of almost head Gnostically into the spirit is the the real good, right? Like, so I need to go into my prayer closet and spend all my time in prayer, but not recognizing that I can have a beautiful spiritual moment eating dinner with friends and having a great belly laugh. Like, these are all intertwined and put in together, I believe. And But sometimes, I guess, through, I don't know, Ben Austin would probably be a better person to talk to about why we have arrived where we have arrived, Um but we've become skeptical and stuff of, of, of many things and maybe just bad teaching. Of course, we go to Africa and it would look a lot different uh, the way that they would approach. And so I'm going to go to the next slide, please. I don't want to... Um Hello? <laughs> yeah, everyone's head looks up. <laughs> what is jo- what's happening, Jonah? Oh, I don't have the slide link. Did you hear me say next slide, please? <laughs> this is my son, so I can. <laughs> uh, next slide, please. How many times do I have to say this? <laughs> it's a button you click, Jonah. 
There we go. Thank you. Okay. Whew. Are you locked in now, buddy? You, okay. But I'm going to need you. I, I, I will need you to click the rest of the slides. Got it? I'm not going to talk about this book uh, up here necessarily, but I don't want to um, plagiarize. So I want to share that the language that I'm using today comes from Richard Beck, who Greg has mentioned him before. Remember the Winter Christian? That there are several of you that related really super well to the Winter Christian. And I do have to say, the guy's got a phenomenal beard and hair, too. I just, I was looking at that picture, I'm like, that's a great picture of that guy. Like, dang, I just cut mine down there and I see this. But I just finished this book that was really, really good. Um, and I will share a little bit, maybe just in. I do recommend it, called Hunting Magic Eels, a, reco a recovering, re excuse me, recovering and enchanted faith in a skeptical age. And one of the things that Richard, Richard actually grew up in the Church of Christ, right? Uh, he is. Is he still part of the Church of Christ? Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, one of the things that happened to him as he got more and more degrees and deep thinker, he started struggling with a lot of skepticism um, in his faith. And I don't want to go into you know, great details about the why the book does share some of that, but it led him into a very dark place, into a, a crisis of faith type place as he became more and more skeptical of, uh, honestly, God in general. Like he was looking for things to maybe go, should I really even believe in this anymore? And part of his healing was a going to a charismatic church and and uh, hey woo, that's not my background and seeing that they believe that God actually did things today and that there was the spirit realm was more than just a theological idea but there was a practical reality to that and so anyway if you've ever had if you feel like maybe you can relate to him that's a great book if you feel like you don't relate to him it's still a really good book uh i really really enjoyed it and i loved his use of the words like enchantment or he even used magical again we are not talking about spell casting and witchcraft i just want to say that like three or four times because someone will say john use those terms a little too much you know today and so i think that he's getting into weird things um it was a magical evening. See, that's what we're gonna. That's the, what we're gonna talk about. Just want to keep clarifying. Um, but that type of language kind of lit, ignited something in me. That was just. I've used spiritual, physical a lot, but just going. Wow, I don't know what it is, but I just loved it. So I'm going to use some of that type of language today. Um, what happens whenever someone says, "God healed me," in their mind, right? Like, some of us will say, well, man, praise God, that's awesome. Yeah, hallelujah. Some of us will go, well, how did that actually happen? Right? Like, did, what, did you take chemo? Did you take the medicine, the doctors, whatever? Um, and we get, we kind of go down that road, which honestly, all of that's not bad. There is a place for critically thinking. I think that's really great. Um, or if someone says, you know, I was having financial problems, and I got a $1,000 check in the mail. God sent me a check. What do we think? Praise God. Or do we go, well, I mean, how did that check? Are you getting a refund for something? Is it, was it a private check? You're probably telling everyone about this issue, and someone just finally decided, I'm going to write this person a check. You know, 
I don't know, does anyone relate to that at all? <laughs> um, if we're in that lane, this idea of the spiritual and things like shadow people and stuff that we have that we're in contact with is, seems probably very strange. Um, but I want to hopefully this morning reignite the reality that the Bible is full of enchantment, if we want to use that word. The Bible is full of scriptures that are awe-inspiring, and maybe as C.S. Lewis would say, like, there's a deep magic there. There's something that you're like, what is that? What's going on? And I think we're invited into that story, and if we want to see God's kingdom grow and advance like I think many of us do, then we can't ignore it. We've got to grab hold of it. So if you go to the next slide, you know in the book of Hebrews when it just kind of goes rapid fire through some of the things John uh, did a great job on that? I didn't delete. Go to the next slide. I deleted that on my phone. Sorry, I had this, and the whole thing about the reference. I'm just not going to go there this morning. Um, do like Martin Luther's haircut there. What do you think? You think I should go for that style? You know, the bald. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm trying to do Adam and Eve, and like you know. They were not with clothes, so I'm sorry. Hopefully this is fine. Uh, looked fine to me. Um, so we're going to kind of go like Hebrews and just think through the scriptures a little bit this morning. The very first story after creation involves a talking serpent. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> like, sometimes we might not, we've heard it so many times and I'm not here to talk about and argue, is it literal or is it a story? Is it just, I'm just here to say, like, this is how the writers told the story, y'all. Like, there was a serpent. There, is, there was someone that was adversarial to God, and that being helped light a rebellion, or maybe not light, maybe just gave way to an opportunity that wanted to be had itself. I don't know. But that being caused us, like, our union with it or decisions to go with it caused us to be in the situation that we're in right now. We say, why is there bad things in the world and all this stuff? And we go back to this story of a speaking serpent, right? Um, maybe, maybe this will make you all more skeptical <laughs> if I go through some of this stuff this morning. <laughs> Next slide, please. You know, it's followed up by not God removing himself and saying, I'm done with humanity. It's followed up by a story of murder, but in the midst of that, you see God like intimately involved in talking with Cain, right? Like sin is at your doorstep, you know? Don't give way to it, Cain. And you know, for some of us, if someone says, God told me this, we're like, I don't think so. Um, for me, in my tradition growing up, that kind of language was used probably too much, honestly. Like, every, you know, God's told me this and that and this and that, and sometimes there is a place, I think, for my tradition to critically think, was that really God or was that just you? But this is a God that we're reading stories where he is speaking to people and he is interacting he has a purpose and a plan, and he is interacting with these folks. Let's go to the next slide. I'm just hitting on these things pretty quick. And there's so many. Like I just started like rap. I just, I just started putting pictures of the first thing that popped into my mind. 
you hear another story of God speaking to Noah, and he says, create this giant ark and fill it with animals. Like, these are the stories that we, like, that are foundational to our faith, right? To tell of man's rebellion and God's desire to start all over again, and the righteousness of Noah, and all these different things. And God was intimately involved. Next slide. I love the story of Jacob's ladder. Like, let's just, I'm just, I don't have too many more of these, but we have the story of Jacob's ladder where Jacob lays his head on a stone and he sees a ladder with angels ascending and descending on it, only to wake up and go, This is Bethel, this is the house of God, almost like. This is a place where there's thinness between the spirit and the flesh. Like, there's something mystical taking place and something going on here. It's wild, isn't it? Have any of y'all ever had dreams that you might think are from God? You can practice some discernment with that. This is very clear. Again, I'm kind of doing just like a rapid fire um, just to provoke thought. That if we have had places, which I'll share in our lives, that we've kind of turned that knob off. Maybe not in our mind, but practically. That God probably doesn't do X, Y, or Z. That maybe we open ourselves back to the reality that this is how God is interacting in his story with people. The next slide, please. We find yet another part of critical part in the story of God we just read through the Exodus. Remember that there was a bush that was burning and it was on fire and it didn't burn up? Like this was part of this big part of Moses's call. And that's not to, I guess, didn't even mention the plagues that we went through, the locust and the hail and all these different things that took place. But these are critical parts in the story. The Bible is full of enchantment. The Bible is full of God's intervention. Um, I do want to pause, though, and just make sure, because I think that there's, I may, hopefully I can say this correctly, like an, a thing that we can get into where we may hear these stories and go, well, I've never experienced something like that, which can actually bring us down a very skeptical road of, well, this is filled with this and this and filled with burning bushes and giant boats and talking serpents and I haven't experienced. And I'll say that Though we see them very common in the scriptures, there's often even hundreds of years where we don't hear stories of things. Not to say that there weren't very powerful things and encounters that men and women had with God. But I've had people that has caused them to really struggle uh, with their faith. But I would encourage you if you feel like that, because I mean, I've never had a burning bush. I've never had a fly land on my shoulder and go, John, hey, you should do this. You should go to Stones River. You know, that's not what happened. Um, But I would encourage us to maybe slow down and see the enchantment of God all around us. Uh, I'll kind of share a story at the end of the message uh, that I had this week that it was was great. It was great. Uh, Next slide, please. And then I'll be done with the OT. We're in the old, we're in the old Testament. This story is so interesting. Um, venomous snakes start attacking the Israelites. What's their response? God's brought this on us. 
think about how different that response is than our response probably. We'd be thinking, is there like a den of snakes around here? Let's figure out how to get rid of these things. What's going on? But like their initial thought is, well, we've sinned against God. God has, has brought this on us. That's, and then the remedy for it is even wilder. Um, they don't take a medication. They don't like, they just raise a bronze serpent <laughs> and look at it. Isn't that wild? This is our faith, though. So when we hear things or experiencing things that may be spiritually rooted, and maybe we take pause and go, maybe there is something to this. Maybe there is something deeper than what I've allowed myself to experience. Maybe I should discern and meditate and think about what's happening here or what's happening there. Next slide. If we want to say, well, that was just the Old Testament. I mean, Peter's on a roof, y'all, and sees a vision of a sheet. come. The reason that us, I think all of us are probably Gentiles, um, are here this morning worshiping the Lord. One of the foundational pieces was Peter seeing a sheet with animals on top of a uh, roof. And at the same time, Cornelius is seeing a vision. And God's showing Peter, hey, it's not just for the Jewish people. This is not just for Israel. Go, all people are clean. Next slide. Maybe the greatest missionary of our time, Paul, started his following of the anointed one, Jesus, by getting knocked down by a light and blinded. Again, some of part of me is afraid to share some of these stories because I don't want us to go, well, that's just not happened to me, so... But it does happen, and God does do this as part of a story. And one thing that I think I thought about that I thought about during this is sometimes we're so hyper individual, we have a hard time celebrating God's work in somebody else. That when God's done something, a, a powerful encounter with someone, we just respond with jealousy or oh, I'm not sure that happened. Instead of going, thank God that He did this because Paul was amazingly used. How can we help? How can we join you, Paul, on what, you're, what God is doing, what is happening? And I think that that's one of the things that we might struggle with in America in our individualism, like this idea of the spirit and discernment and all these things is a corporate and a body thing. And go to the, So let's go to the next slide. I want to talk about that, but I want to mention uh, Jesus. I, when he is initiating his kingdom, there is a, he comes and he lives and dwells among us, there is a ton of spiritual adversity opposition to him, to this kingdom coming. Like, you open the pages of the gospel and you see people like Legion that are demon-possessed, right, that he is coming in contact with, that he is encountering. You are seeing people that are just... Um, bent, I'll say that, bent on stopping him, on uh, even killing him. It's, it's, it's wild. You also see, I think, a deep reality of the interconnectivity of the physical and the spiritual in his life. When you see things like there are physical ailments that are spiritually rooted. Like there are times when Jesus casts a demon out of someone, and they are physically healed. 
meaning that there are things in the spirit that could cause physical ailments. Does that mean that every time you cough that a demon's attacking you? No, that's not what we're saying. But having a paradigm for that reality, I think is important if we want to make a major impact for the kingdom. Like, I think we will be uh, neutered or whatever if we have just decided to throw that out and that reality out because we see that actually regularly with Jesus. Um, but one thing I think that we might be, might make us, there's plenty of things that make us nervous about this. Let's just be real. Someone saying that someone has demon possession or oppression or anything freaks a lot of people out, right? Anyone freaked out by that stuff? I mean, it's okay if you are or you're not, whatever. I mean, just maybe say weirds you out is kind of awkward. One of the things that I really appreciated uh, about what Greg did when he had heard about the shadow people was that instead of thinking he has to be the hero, which is what I think a lot of us think, if I find out, because there may be some of us this morning that go, I have a friend and there is just something going on, I'm not sure. There may be something deeper happening here. Again, I'm not saying that they're possessed by demons, but there is some kind of a spiritual something going on. I think in the past, uh, even for myself, I have taken that as all on my own shoulders. And it is, and like, I have to be the hero that casts out the demon or that says the exact right prayer so that the spiritual environment can change. And what I appreciated about Greg was that he asked for discernment from uh, there's a group of people, the shepherds, the church, and we said, let's pray together and let's discern and see what we feel like God is leading us to do about this. Um, that's okay, and that's how we should practice these things. I'm convinced. Maybe this message will help us have permission for saying, I don't know, but I'm weirded out by this. Could you please pray with me? Could we start trying to discern something? Um, As we are continuing to journey forward with the Lord, I am convinced that there will be more of these types of opportunities uh, to set people free from a lot of evil stuff, y'all. From lifetime or years of bondage that we can participate in it, but let us remember that it's us, that we can participate in it, that we can help one another, that we can discern together, Um, because I think that that's vital. I just believe that's so vital. Uh, Next slide, please. As we talk about, I've kind of gone into kind of the practicality of, okay, that's fine. Yes, okay, John, maybe you're going to help me see that my faith can be enchanted again. but talking about like what does that practically mean for us? Uh, I just mentioned that communal discernment, that openness to be able to have these conversations. Because guess what? Everyone's not demon possessed. I want to say that again. You may feel a discernment, and there may be other people going, "I just, I, I, I think they just need X, Y, or Z." Right? Like it's just we can discern that together. That's the challenge from my bring upbringing is we don't often discern together and anyone just says what they say and if you challenge what i think i'm hearing from god then it's uh 
boo on you and you're not my friend anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, like, it's, it's, we, don't, we don't need to be like that. But another very practical thing that came into my mind when I started wrestling and thinking about this and that God was really working on my heart or at least highlighting to me this week was, you know, there's this time where Jesus, or his disciples, Jesus' disciples, and we've talked about this here, but Jesus' disciples can't heal someone. And, uh, which is so strange, because Jesus says, you have the power to heal, and you have the power to cast out demons, and they're doing it. Like, this was part of, isn't that wild? Why don't we talk about this in the church a lot? Maybe we're afraid we're going to get too overboard or too weird and think there's a demon under every rock and stuff like that, and so we don't want to go that extreme, but that leads us to another extreme that's unhealthy. I mean, those are two very powerful things he gave them. Hey, you want to, want the kingdom to spread? Cast out demons and heal. Um, but as they're doing it, they can't heal this, you know, this epileptic. And Jesus, of course, he has strong words for them, twisted and per- I would hate for you. I guess Jesus probably says that to me sometimes. John, twisted and perverse generation. Why can't you do what you should be able to do? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Lord. But he says, the problem is this kind doesn't come out except through prayer. And what that practically made me think about is if we throw this the spirit, the practical spiritual things out the door, there are people who will remain in bondage because we are not men and women of prayer. Like there are forces that might be easier to cast out or forces that are easier to deal with, we could say, but there's also going to be strongholds and forces that are not. And very practically, God has challenged me this week, John, you've got to to be a man of prayer. Because in that prayer, that's that place where my will aligns with God's will. There seems to be a place where there is maybe even spiritual authority, you know, that's granted like that. If I'm not flexing that spirit muscle, I won't be very strong there. And there are certain beings. I know this is so weird, but I just want to, we want to talk about this stuff. That recognize that you're not that strong in the spirit. And they're just not going to listen to you. That's what it seems like. So I am committing, that's one thing I'm committing to, is to get better, get stronger in my life of prayer. Um, it's hard with prayer life. You know that? Like, I've got a list of things I've been praying for for years and seen nothing happen. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe God's just said no. I don't know. But, like, it gets me down. Anyone? I'm just, can I, I just like to be straight up. And so, like, I'm, like, going, all right, God. Right, let's 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 keep exercising this, and not that I don't have prayer life, but uh, the disciples were with Jesus every day, and there was still something that they were missing here. And I don't, not for my sake, for other people's sake, I don't want to have people in bondage because I'm not as strong as we're not as strong. I'm not putting it on me. We're not as strong as we can be um, because we're not flexing that that muscle. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, yeah. In a second. So, I kind of alluded to this earlier. So, this week, one of the very practical things that I chose to do was instead of after finishing work, going to my hotel room and just vegging out or whatever, um, which, you know, I need to do sometimes and it is good to do um, because, you know, it's, it was a pretty busy day, I chose to go on a hike. Uh, this was part of the just me thinking through like my life, my 
re-enchanting and just recognizing the beauty of God's creation and that there's something deeper. And so I'm in East Tennessee all the time, and I don't know why I never really considered there's some really pretty places in East Tennessee. You should probably go on some hikes. And so there was one that was like 20 minutes from my hotel. And what was so cool was, and frightening, uh, after I, no one was there. Like I pull in, and there's like a big parking lot. Nobody was there. I got to go on this hike in Greenville, Tennessee, all by myself. I did realize at the time, maybe I should have told my wife, that I was going on a hike. She had no idea. I'd never even mentioned that I was going on one. And I don't generally, I, but I did look and go, I hope Bear doesn't come and attack me or something like that. <laughs> I guess that's what having, uh, seeing some in Gatlinburg will do for you. And you're like, Oof, I didn't I normally don't think about that kind of stuff. But leaving that behind, and next time I will tell my wife that I'm going on a hike. If anyone has some bear spray or something, I might get some of that too, just in case. You never know. Um, I got to do it all on my own. I didn't see a person. You know, I got to feel how amazing it is for my wife to have her alone time and how important that is. And like, uh, it was great. But as I walked and I was hiking alone, like I just continually was struck with the enchantment of nature and God's creation. Like, it was just like, just watching the plants being filled with, filled with vibrant greens and alive, and I'm just like, how is this even possible? Like, do you ever have, have you ever had those moments in nature where you're just like, my mind can't comprehend the beauty and the glory of God and the idea that this is here before me, and at the end of my hike, there is this like, huge, you can't really tell how big it is, but this huge like waterfall, this was like the beautiful part of it. And uh, hey, you can play it if you want. I kind of a little video, just a little running water. It's nothing great. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> and I have to admit that uh, at that moment, especially with what I'm thinking about, I just started praying and thanking God. Like, I was like, I don't, I actually said, I don't really know what to pray because this feels like a very spiritual, deep moment. And I bet I don't know what to say. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that I had something amazing to pray to God. It was just more like, I'm really in awe and this is absolutely incredible and this is what I needed um, to help encourage me um, from where I was at. And I share this because for some of us, this process um, that we will talk about discernment, the process of considering the spiritual, some of it, it just needs, we just need to slow down and we just need to focus, um, exercise that spiritual discernment that uh, the, the, what's going on here, God? Like it's so easy, so f for us to go from place to place to place and if we have a scenario when we're arguing with someone to just argue and get angry and move on, but to slow down and go, is there something that's happening here? What's happening? Um, I think that we're growing in that practice, and I'm super excited about it. Um, but for, for us as a group of people, I'm going to just encourage us to continue to press on, but to continue to just slow down, to slow down to say, God, is there something that you're doing here? Because we know that this is physical, and we know that this is spiritual, and we know 
that there is opposition. We also know there's great power in the kingdom of God. What would you have us to do? So I have two questions I will leave us with. Next slide, please. Oh, geez. Okay. That sound is kind of annoying. It was a lot more beautiful in person. Um, two questions. I did a, had a few questions with the Lord's Supper, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll end it with some questions uh, a little bit more often. Um, so a few that will, a couple that will ask, um, in what areas of our lives, I'm just trying to make this shorter, have we allowed our faith to be disenchanted? Like, just something to think about. Uh, is there a disenchantment in general? Is there a just not really believe? And I want us to dive into the practical, right? So like there, I think that in my mind, that's what I struggle with. Theologically, I believe God can do whatever he wants to, blah, blah, blah. But practically, are there places in my life where I'm not recognizing that God, that there is really a spiritual aspect to it and or that God could intervene or that God may want me to participate in his intervention, right? Um, so noodle on that a little bit, asking ourselves, have we shut ourselves off? It, it reminded me of the Lord's Supper last week. I had several people that came to me afterwards, and uh, it was awesome. That's one of my favorite Sundays, sorry. I just, not, I'm not sorry. That was, I'm, I love the Lord's Supper. Yeah, yeah, I, love, I say I'm sorry too much. Um, I love the Lord's Supper when we take it like that together and just get to hearing from all the different voices. But I had several people that came up to me and said, I've just never really thought about it before. Like, you know, I've had this thought on the Lord's Supper or that thought on the Lord's Supper. And like, thanks for stirring that up. Like maybe there's something more mystical than I realized, you know, is happening here possible. Maybe there is a special presence of God or maybe there's, you know, uh, some type of spiritual union with Christ. Like, you know what I mean? Like whatever it is, I'm not going to argue points, but like it just kind of opened up eyes. And maybe that's something that we need. Maybe there's places in our lives where we go, I don't know, I hadn't really thought about that. What about baptism? What happens, right? Like, are there blind spots or places? Because even in my tradition I shared last week, that is very mystical. We demysticize, like, baptism and the Lord's Supper, weirdly enough. And, like, are there places? And then the next question. Um, In what ways can we intentionally increase our awareness and discernment of the spirit, of the spiritual realm, however we want to call it? So very practically, I always, I know, I love using the word intentional because I, I really, I have to say that to myself or I can read a great book or hear a great message and like be like, wow, that was impactful and then literally do nothing with it. But if, as we grow um, as a community in this, what ways can we as a community and individuals, of course, as part of it, uh, begin to be more intentional about our practice of discernment? Um, like for me personally, it is going to be to dive deeper into my prayer life. Um, and is some music going on? Is, is that a sign? Deeper into my prayer life? No, it's good. Um, and also practice in conversation, in scenarios, just, just asking God the simple question, trying to slow down and go, are you, what are you saying? Is there something that's happening? Um, is there something that needs to be done? Is there something that you need you know, me to share with someone or whatever? Those are a couple things that I really want to start uh, flexing that muscle greater. Because there, there, it's, do y'all feel like you just like, sometimes I'm 
really strong in an area and then I just kind of ignore it almost and I'm just like someone brings it back up I'm like yeah well I've not been practicing that as much as I could be and I think that this is huge um, I think John King would probably tell you in Africa some of the greatest breakthroughs preceding had the greatest spiritual you know opposition and I know that a lot of my missionary friends that have had some really cool breakthroughs for the kingdom would 100% say the same thing. So I actually, in a sense, even though it stinks to go through, am encouraged that oftentimes it is this uh, opposition that comes before some beautiful moments of freedom and breakthrough actually take place. So I hope to actually encourage us in that as well. Um, the last slide, I put both of these questions together because we're going to take a couple minutes to be still before the Lord as I'm trying to um, practice a little bit more uh, as I preach so we don't just run off. So I would ask you uh, to just meditate on these or spend a little bit of time in prayer listening to God's voice. Uh, and then, you know, afterward, as we always say, is we want to try to discern together if there is something that you feel like we should should be shared. Again, please ask God, is this for me or for everybody? Because I think that that's something that we can learn and grow in. Um, and if you feel like it is, uh, then feel free to um, share it here. So let's just take a couple minutes. Right. I don't know about y'all, but is it interesting that the more we practice that, the faster it comes? Is that for the first time it was like, oh my gosh, this, this couple minutes is really, really long. Um, but the more we practice it, the faster it comes. Uh, worship team, if y'all want to come up here. And did anyone have any impressions or anything that they felt like they needed to share or would like to share with the church? And if not, yes? Oh, nice.
I know Nathan has kept everybody up to date about Drew Warren, and but I've never spoken about it um, to the church or publicly, but I just wanted to kind of share some things um, about Drew. So I've been a educational assistant with the county for 20 years and probably about 14 of them were with Hillary Warren. I was her EA in a special education, can you hear me, sorry, in the special education class at Stewart's Creek Elementary. And Hillary has four children and of course they came to work with her and I got to know them very well. Um, they went to the Ukraine and adopted Lana and um, um, so Lana's been to our house and spent the night. Um, just a lot of history with Hillary. Um, as I'm rambling, but um, as her being a special education teacher, I can think of two kids that we had in class that passed away. Um, so, uh, you know, there were several children that had, were very profoundly um, impacted by different types of needs. Um, one student came with a nurse daily, had a feeding tube. So I guess what I'm getting at is Hillary, she saw how seriously ill children can be and took care of them. Um, I'm not wording this very well, I'm sorry, but she was just a great person um, for these children, for the parents, um, and then all of a sudden Drew just pretty much out of the blue is diagnosed with, um, with cancer and it's bad and he went to Vanderbilt um, I reached out to Shana Pounders, who is my sister's um, sister-in-law. A lot of people know Shana Pounders. She's a oncology nurse at Vanderbilt. And I said, hey, Shana, um, um, Hillary, her son's coming to Vanderbilt. And of course, um, she, lot and behold, uh, Shana ended up being Drew's nurse. So there were just a lot of special connections through the process, but the bottom line was Vanderbilt sent him home to die, to die. And then um, um, the next step was they went to St. Jude's and were there, what, nine months, and they did everything they could, and St. Jude sent him home to die. And um, you want to talk now about? We're getting the good part. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there were so many prayers. It's just really neat to watch Drew now. Um, he's 16, and he walks across the street to the high school with his friends, other teachers' kids, and it's just really, really. I mean, God healed him. God healed him. And um, I don't know why God chose to heal him and not other kids. I don't know. Hillary doesn't know. Drew doesn't know. But I just think it's really important that we keep giving God the credit because God did that. 
and um, it was a very, 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 it was a bad cancer. He had Vanderbilt doctors, he had no chances. St. Jude, he had no chances. And um, when they do the MRI now, they call, it's scar tissue is what they're calling it. And um, so that was just on my heart. I know Nathan's kept everybody, he prays for Drew every night um, outside on our porch and he's kept y'all up today. But um, I just kind of wanted to share some things from, from working with Hillary and, uh, and watching him just walk over to the high school every day is with his friends is really awesome. And thank you, God. Did anyone else have 